There's no rules! Shoot a lower score! There's one rule! Hello and welcome back to the Champions Playbook from inside the studio here at Franklin Bridge. So if you guys are hearing this, it means that we're back from our hiatus. Uh, we've got a few more episodes to release after this one, which is awesome that were previously recorded. So stay tuned for those. We actually have uh, uh, some pretty good ones saved up. So we're going to be recording this one, and you guys are hearing this right now. It's kind of yep. the kickoff to, I guess we'll call it season four of the Champions Playbook. I think we could do that. I think we could do that. And then uh, you'll be hearing some stuff that we recorded back in season three. So stay tuned for that. But we also have uh, a couple of awesome announcements, too. As you guys can see um, on the video, which is a link to a YouTube video that you guys should have in the show notes of this episode. So we're in the studio. We've been using it here for about, what, two months now? Ish, I've been more or in less. it regularly teaching two and a half ish months, not quite a full three. Amazing, yeah. Yeah. So we have uh, some awesome stuff coming from the Franklin Bridge Performance Institute, which also check out this head cover right here um, next to my computer. If you guys are viewing this on the video, um, are those available for sale? They are. They're available for sale. So there's a lot of stuff that's coming out of uh, our side of Franklin Bridge here, but we're recording this after the Marriage Cup that was just had here at Franklin Bridge, yep. which huge tournament and huge show out yeah no that's that's really big uh for us to host a big tournament like that you know being the only 18 hole public facility in the county uh, i'm trying to think of brooks's exact words that we heard as before we came down here uh with them finishing up the event and you know just brooks prior prioritizes people over profits and you know it's just it's cool to see that people are like oh he's making a ton of money it's like yeah well you run a business, you hope you make money, right? Like anybody that owns a business or runs a business or works, like you want to make money. Um, so it's uh, it's just something that's always been really important to Brooks and, and caring for the community. It means a lot. So um, really cool to have that tournament here. Um, but segueing from that, new things, right, is uh, just released on Amazon is my practice notebook. There's nothing like it. You can track your mindset. You can track your stats. You can track, like, set up your practice for the next time and be able to measure things as you go. There's no other practice notebook evaluation like that. So just to clarify, for those of you who um, have not tracked your progress in some written form, this is not like a champion's playbook book. It's not like a an informational book. This is nope. a a notebook that is already pre-stenciled out for you what you can track either in your rounds or in your practice think of it as like a workout log yeah right or a runner's log something like that so uh it's fantastic so we cover literally every part of the game and you actually get to see what happens people just don't pay attention to what they're paying attention to this is so helpful and you'll be able to immediately within two or three days be able to make direct connections to what's going on in your mindset and what's happening in your practice. so Which I think is fantastic. a great uh, segue into what we're going to be talking about today. But before we do that, I first want to just say that if you're listening to this on Spotify or Apple or wherever you're listening to podcasts, uh, make sure that you give us a rating. So um, what that looks like on Spotify is just a thumbs up. Um, and a possible subscription. Yep. And then on Apple Podcasts, you can rate us five stars and leave us a review. So if you're listening on Apple, it would be awesome for you to leave us a review because we just got some cool statistics about the Champions Playbook. You I want to share them, Scott? Yeah, it's great. So of all golf podcasts, and there's hundreds of them uh, out there, um, we're 78 
are we're we have some big goals to get inside the top 25 here yeah. over the next couple months. Um, but this the next one to me is the coolest one. We are top 25 of all podcasts in the world. Top 25 percent. 25 percent. Yeah. Top 25 percent of all podcasts everywhere in the world. So um, go and like it. Go and share it. it. And to me, it's like I even think of it this way. Right. This is the teacher side of me and the passionate side of me is. If you've gotten any value out of this podcast, even just one iota, like we're on a mission to help people enjoy the game more and play it better and not be fooled by all of the jargon and lingo and stuff that's out there. So if you've had that happen to you, go and especially on Apple, please go to Apple because you can actually leave comments. That's super helpful to us. But go and share that. Take the next, stop this podcast, take the next two minutes, go leave a quick review and because uh, that helps us move up, which means we can reach more people. And that's what it's about. Join us in that mission. Like, we don't get there without you. We so, need to, um, so it's called the Champions Playbook Podcast. We need to, uh, like, name our followers, like, uh, like the champions. Ooh. Like, the cha- like, we need to name our followers, the people who are a part of this podcast. You know what? The champions. I, mean, I, think that, I think that can stick. Maybe. We'll, we we'll should let people it. decide. We if should. you're listening. We'll put up a um, we'll put up a post on Scott's Instagram at s golf two s's two e's. We'll put up a post, um, and you guys can leave a comment in that Instagram yep. post for what you think that uh, you guys, the followers of this podcast, would want to be called. You might even see it come up in uh, TikTok soon, so watch out for that. Man. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I'm going TikTok. Um, no, but th- that would be great uh, for us to be able to do that. You know, you had Arnie's Army, uh, things like that for Arnold Palmer. So. Name yourselves. Who are you? What are we about? Love it, love it. So there's a lot coming uh, around the bend, and we're super excited about it. And, man, with the Maris Cup here, with the studio um, kind of coming into fruition here, yep. I just feel like there's a lot of really big things coming here at Franklin Bridge. And from somebody who's been here since um, kind of the beginning of Brooks's reign on this property, I know. just seeing how far we've come in three years has been just unbelievable. So if that's any any kind of indicator for what's to come, I'm I'm super pumped. Yeah, I I think you know one of the things that uh, I think we finally have now we've got Hudson inside. We're going to talk about Hudson and Tevin uh, a little bit in food. We'll get into that not in the coming weeks, but um, is we've got horsepower in every department here, um, and running 100 miles a minute it's a lot of work um i finally have uh an assistant an administrative assistant behind the scenes um and then we've got a project management and digital management team um helping us kind of manage all the things we have going on cracking the code we have 50 people if you count our juniors in cracking the code this winter we had 25 last year we doubled it um so you know, there's so much we've got going on. And then on the golf course side, like everything's improving there. Now we got food and beverage. Obviously, like it's we're moving. This train is down the tracks. It is cruising, and we're trying to go faster. And I so, think the Mayor's Cup today was just uh, an indication of what we can be, and honestly, what we are yeah. right now. So, super awesome. Well, you guys have waited long enough. Seven minutes into the podcast. Um, sorry, I'll put like sorry. a, I'll, you guys, if you guys are jumping to right here right now, it's because, um, I put like a little start note in the, in the show notes of where we actually start talking about content. <laughs> um, so we're going to ha- go ahead and talk about that right now. And 
And um, we were trying to figure out what to talk about today on the podcast, and and then it came to me. I was actually out here playing. Um, I was hanging out with Scott for a bit and um, working on my game on the range, and I decided, you know what, I'm just going to go try and get as many holes as I can before, before the sun arcs. goes down. Yeah. Um, and so I was by myself, and luckily the course was getting set up for the Mayor's Cup, so there was nobody. Nobody on the golf course. Nobody on the golf course at yeah. all. It was pretty much like, hey, you can play as fast as you want. At, just go. Yep. Um, and so finished eight holes, two over, which was awesome. Um, honestly, that probably even could have been one uh, one uh, over or maybe even even. We can talk about that. But uh, biggest thing we really wanted to, to bring to, to light today is just – how well you can actually play if you just get out of your own way sometimes. Yeah. yeah. It's uh speed golf is kind of really what you're doing. It's a whole sport in of itself. Like the guys that win speed golf, so it's a combination of time and score, like they shoot in this like mid sixties. They shoot so low playing in these events and they're reacting just like athletes do in every other sport, you know, like, Hey, there's three seconds left on the clock. You got the ball at the, you know, the three point line down on the elbow, like kind of on the baseline. You got to shoot. There's no time to pass it. You either got to shoot it, drive, like you got three seconds. You're reacting to that whole moment. There's not a lot of thought involved. And so a lot of great things happen in that area, especially if you're trained. I, I also want to bring up too the fact that because I was trying to play as fast as possible, um, did not play a driver and hit ev everything off the deck. Um, as far as tee shots wise, so like there's no tees, really no tees in my in my pocket, no ball markers in my pocket, no, um, yeah, nothing in my pocket. So well, that just played played off the top. It's, it's funny that you say that. We had a when I was working at Greystone Country Club, my first job, we had a lady. Um, she would run with her bag on her back. And she would play 27 holes. It was very common for her to do that. She'd play 18 faster than the first group off right after her, which played nine. And so she'd turn and do another nine on the back nine. And so <clears throat> she would shoot between about 77 and 87 when she played. She would only take her bag off to hit full shots. She would chip and putt <laughs> with her bag on her back, and she'd leave the flag in. That's wild. Okay. Uh, so, but, like, what's happening in that situation is you're actually reacting. You're doing whatever you do in every other sport. Um, and so I think there's so much you can learn in those moments. Score really doesn't matter all that much either because you're, you care far more about like getting done, right? Your, your whole goal shifted from scoring low. So expectations are gone out the window. You're playing fast. You don't expect to play well. Like, there's so many mental things that get shut down so you're set free to just run and play that's so cool. Like, it's not always that you're going to shoot your lowest score, but you're free to play, which I think is one of the hard things for us to do is to learn how to break free of all these, like, have to have everything perfect all the time. Um, so, yeah, there's a balance there. So I'm curious as to, like, how – I think the best way to kind of – for you to answer this it's like should is it a what's the difference right what's the difference between playing at normal speed and being thoughtful and mindful of the shots you pick um and playing speed golf it's not that you weren't mindful of them but there's a it's different so like what what was your experience of it that separates it and not necessarily why you played well but like what separates the two things 
I think I've been getting out of my comfort zone and playing a lot of different golf recently. Um, haven't been able to make it out here to the bridge as much as I would have liked. And so because of that, I've been playing over at McCabe over in West Nashville. Um, and I've been walking a lot. And so I think the mindset is different when you, when you just ride in a cart the entire time or when you're waiting for slow groups ahead of you. Um, and that, that doesn't just go for Franklin bridge. That goes for any golf course that you play. But when you start to get in those little, you start to dig a rut into like, I'm playing golf one way. And so because I've been walking a different course that has three nines, um, and because I came over here and I was needing to play speed golf, it's like I wasn't I wasn't negotiating in my head, am I going to hit a hard eight or a soft seven? I was just kind of like, all right, here's the club. And then the body and the mind takes over if you have given as much practice as you can. And so it was yeah. about rolling up, looking at the ball, seeing the lie. Where do I need to hit it? What's my yardage? Grab a club, shoot. Yeah, it, it was funny. I had a um, – Oh, and one more thing yeah, real quick ahead. is that um, I decided to use a an app on my watch to track – uh, how close or far I was from the pin. And because of that, the only thing I had was the middle, f- middle front and center. And we had a podcast mm-hmm. a couple, a uh, couple months ago about why you don't need a range finder or yeah, why you don't need a range yeah, finder. Yeah. And because of that, I was like, all right, middle's here, front's there. Pin is like kind of like, you know, halfway in between them. That's a decent number. And then takes out body, body and the brain take over. Yeah. Y- um, you know, the game when it was originally played, there were no yardages. Right. It's yeah. like, oh, this feels like about an eight iron. And so you had to be more critical of your thought process in terms of making decisions. I actually think that's the thing we should do on the next podcast is like, how do we like, how does taking away, stripping away all the extra actually make us play better? And so um, uh, the fun thing for me with speed golf is like you're forced to make a decision and commit to the shot that you're going to hit. Right. I've got an example later. Um, but, you know, a lot of times people will kind of waffle like, ah, I, I, I kind of I guess I'll kind of aim it there. Right. It's it's kind of indecisive. Like if you're indecisive in any other sport, you, you're going to struggle. Like if the if the uh, shortstop kind of hesitates, like, do I like you're probably not going to throw either guy out at second or at like yeah. you got to pick like you got to go. And so when you go like that, your brain commits more easily all of those types of things. Plus, it's just clear. Like, you, I'm gonna hit it right there. No, yep. you're you're exactly right, and I think that that's. Um, and I'm still learning how to do it in golf, and golf is a beautiful game. But I think what is amazing about other sports is that your body is forced to rely on the practice that you've put in previously. Whereas golf, you can second guess yourself, uh, psych yourself out of a shot. Like, there's just there's so many ways to mess up a, a golf swing, and that's why it is. I think one of the hardest sports in the world, but you're right, especially on the baseball example and even hitting too. I mean, you can't like, I mean, there's tenths of a second from when a ball leaves a pitcher's hand and hits the catcher's mitt. There's it's tenths of a second. Right. And so if you, I mean, you literally can't hesitate. You have to react. And that's why these guys can hit moonshots that you're like, I don't, I didn't know that that was humanly possible. Do you, do you think that, um, both on from the pitcher standpoint and from the batter standpoint with Aaron Judd recently, like he got to 61 and then it was like nothing, 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 nothing. And then he finally got 62. It's like, okay, just yeah. finally let go and just, but I know they weren't pitching as well to him either. Cause they, you don't want to be the guy that he hit 61 or 62 out on, you know? Yeah. I think there's a lot of different factors that play. Um, first of all, congrats to Aaron Judge. That's a, a American league record. Um, 
I, I got chills when the announcer is like, in 122 years of American League Baseball, nobody's done what he just did. And it's unbelievable. It's so cool. Um, but to answer your question, I think that, and this is from experience as well, when you get up to the plate and let's say you're just in a little bit of a, a drought, a little bit of a slump, and I think there is just like a breakthrough. There is a breakthrough point, but I think it's around your mindset as a whole. But once you step into that box and the pitcher is committing to you, like again, like you just you you, you, you can't think. You literally can't think. And so I think and it's if just you do, a, you're in trouble. Right. And I think it's just a circumstance of um, he just he might have adjusted his approach a little bit. He might have just ha- found a pitch that he could hit um, and and took it out of the yard. But it looks so much like a golf swing. Like I mm-hmm. I played it over and over and over again. Oh my god! I and was like specifically judges swing too. Yeah, looks so much like a golf swing. It's like his finish. Goodness, specifically. like thinking about like the plane of the golf swing and all that i know this is getting us off on a tangent but like it was such a beautifully athletic movement like if you look at a tennis swing a golf swing a baseball swing even a hockey like swing and a shot like the elite of those like full motions they look so close to the same thing it's just so cool like there's a certain plane that the racket or the bat or the club swing through and it's on it like all the elite ones is just like it's on that angle and it ain't leaving it <laughs> like it's just so cool to watch and the cool thing with judge too man is he's just i mean that guy is just a, a freak of nature just in his athletic build i mean i think he's six seven i think something like that he's, guys aren't supposed to be that big. yeah he's like six seven and uh i mean you just lean as all all can be and he just puts the ball out but i mean uh, begs the question too about when you just hit an amazing drive down a fairway that's pretty right. much infinite that's like either 17 here one here two here and you put something on there and you can see it going off like the first hundred yards and you're just like oh that thing was mashed yeah um yeah. But yeah, I kind of want to talk about that too because um, I was hitting three woods all of yesterday, and even on even on seventeen, I hit a three wood too. And I think that um, what's interesting is that's that can be a really hard club to hit, especially off the deck. And when you just let your your body and your mind react, like I hit probably five, six, seven three woods over the course of all those holes, and just murdered all of them. It was unbelievable. And yeah. so I'm just curious from your standpoint as a golf teacher, what that what that is and if you can take people through a way that they might be able to free themselves up during their round. Um, well, oh gosh, how many angles do I want to take this at? Um, I, I think two things are happening. Uh, one is your technique is stable enough for you to be able to react and that's, that's the swing that's going to come out or something close to it. Is that also previous athletic ability too? Oh, absolutely. So like your other sports tied into that plus the motion you've been working on that we're working on actually gets you to hit it more solid. Um, so there's, there's that technical piece. I actually gave a lesson to uh, somebody today and they were talking about um, it, was a, it was a junior golfer with a parent that was talking about um, you know, they're really close. I'm not going to say whether it's a guy or a girl, you know, just to try and keep anonymity out of it. But, like, uh, they're really close, right? This person's really close. I'm like, well, what do you shoot? Well, 100. I was like, you're not really close. You're really close to 110. <laughs> right. I'm going, what? I, 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 I don't understand that conversation. Like, oh, well, they made it out of their... Uh, 
they were third out of their region or whatever. It's like, well, you're in a terrible region to go to district, and then you got stomped in district. Yeah, because it's not good, right? Like, my concern there is the fact of the matter of you have an, an improper view of that. So there are some people like, oh, I'm going to play great speed golf. You, you may or you may not. Like, if your technique is not solid enough, you can't just rely on reacting. I can rely on rea reacting more than you can. Elijah can rely on reacting more than I can. Um, but there's a lot of people that don't actually know their golf swing. They're working on stuff. And so they don't actually have the right movement to be able to do what you did. So, uh, like, I think there has to be a distinction between um, if you have crappy technique, you're going to hit crappy shots. And the large conversation when the parent and child were in here was like, you know, it's in, a, in the head. I was like, it's not in the head. The technique is bad. Like, the technique is going to hit bad shots. Like, it's, it is physics and anatomy will not allow you to do anything but hit those bad shots. I think one thing that is um, that's interesting too is that through the that the past probably I don't know I've been playing pretty good golf recently but let's just take when I was in a little bit of a slump earlier this summer um, I was focused so much on the new movement that we were learning like I was focused on a bunch of different things um, individual things and yesterday um, and and this I bring this up because we were listening to that clip from the Barstool podcast about uh, Alfonso Ribeiro, and he yeah. was talking on the golf podcast about how he feels things he's in space. He's a beautiful athlete. Yeah, and he's a really good golfer. Um, but he was talking about the towel whip drill and how you can feel yeah. the end of that towel in space, right? Correct. And so the when I was playing speed golf, I didn't have time to think about where my knee was or wh how steep my take back was. I But... I was able to feel my that what I relied on was my athletic ability of feeling that club head in space. Correct. And as long as I was focused on that, it's almost like my club face was square every single shot that I hit. Yeah, I, I think so. Um, I think it's great uh, to kind of answer the second part of the question that you asked me. Since I'm getting better at this, is like <laughs> how 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 does the person that's listening kind of get out of their own way? Um, I think there's two. One, it's you can call it mindset, but it's really like you get out of your own way by not caring about what anybody thinks how you play, including yourself. Just go play. It's a game. You get to play. Go play. Like really set that as your objective. Like I'm just going to go play and have fun today. You'd be surprised how many times that fixes the problem by itself. You go in with that that mindset and you just don't you just don't let yourself do anything but have fun laugh at your bad shots shoot laugh at the people you're playing with at their bad shots like it'll chill you out and you'll probably play better right um it was interesting too when the sun started to set you realize that like well i don't yeah. have time to worry about that last shot if i want to get another hole or two in so it's just kind of like all right yeah, here okay, we go hit another one like go or go find it and hit it right i will say though that the first two holes i went i went um bogey birdie on first two holes and part of me thinks that if i went like bogey bogey i might not have even had i might not have had the experience that we're talking about today so i'm curious if um if momentum has something to play in that as well oh shoot momentum's tremendous in every sport right um and architects specifically design holes to kill that momentum or to give you momentum amen corner at the masters right amen corner is strategically placed where it is if it's two holes later, two holes earlier, 
if it's part of the front nine, it, like it is placed exactly where it needs to be placed. You play well through that little spot, and that completely shifts how you play the rest of the back nine. If you play poorly through that sh spot, then that changes how you play the next several holes. Like, but the next several holes are some gettable holes. So you just screwed up on those couple. It makes you want to go. Like, it could make you too risky, and actually make it compound, right? Like, people don't understand um, the lens through which most people view the the game of golf is actually through the swing, and then it's through fitness maybe and then it's through mindsets one of those three is their big three the first lens everything in this game needs to be viewed through is strategy like what is going on that leads to that and if a guy plays really well through those three he might be able to just kind of chill out and just play normal in the next several easier holes whereas the guy who fell off maybe he gets aggressive maybe it works maybe it doesn't like that's what makes it so thrilling at the masters is like you're never in it and you're never out of it. Like <laughs> you don't you don't have this secure finish that you have at like the John Deere classic or at the waste management. Yeah, you've got sixteen with the crowd, but that's like a singular hole and then the next two holes really aren't anything super hard or super easy. Uh there's not as much strategy built into that design. Um but that's why Augusta is just absolutely beautiful. And I never appreciated holes like seven through nine until I went there. Like they are strategically placed mm -hmm. to set you up because aim and corners coming around. Like it's all strategy all the time. And if you don't look at it that way, you're going to miss what might actually be the problem, which is why the note, which is why I made the notebook. Right. Like it, that's why it's there. That's the long term fix. The short term fix is go and have fun. Yeah. Like it's a game. Chill out. Well, and here's something else that um, I had to consider was I think we all have our tendencies and our habits of how we play golf, right? Mm -hmm. Like some people can be like, man, I just, I really mash my drives. Like I'm just going to hit driver all the time. And like last night, I didn't have time to tee up the ball and to follow the ball into the darkness off the driver. So like, right. for example, on um, on hole 11, I was like, all right. This is like a short hole. I would I would normally blast a driver down there and hit a wedge onto the green, but instead I was like, you know what? Like I don't want to lose this ball. That's actually what I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was like, um, well, and that makes you take more time. A little bit, but what I um I, I hit three iron off the I hit three iron off the mm -hmm. tee, and just it w I finned it, but it went straight and it went down the middle, and it just set me up for a nice little nine iron that I got on the green. I made birdie. Like it was just it it's. Just, it was a different way of playing that I never would have done. But honestly, now, depending on the conditions, yeah, I'm going to consider hitting three iron off that tee now. I think coming all the way back to something that you said at, at the start was playing different styles is something. It's oh, a yeah. thing. Oh, like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Playing different formats, playing speed golf. If you can get on a golf course, you can do that. Playing barefoot like we did last year. Um, like, all of those types of things teach you new things and expand your understanding. We get we get very tunnel vision when we look at golf games and golf swings. And so um, this is why I'm doing some consulting for universities now is like even coaches, like we all get tunnel vision. I get tunnel vision on my teaching. And so being able to have other people look at it from a different lens can be very helpful 
to improving and seeing things as you didn't see them before. I didn't even realize this until you you just said that, but um, my wedges have been giving me a little bit of trouble recently. And I'm thinking about this now, how um, yesterday I probably only, and specifically mid to longer wedges, not shorter wedges. Um, but what I'm thinking about now, look, thinking back on my eight, eight hole round, was that I put myself in positions off the tee since I wasn't hitting driver where I didn't have a wedge in as much. And it made me think, yeah. okay, well, if my wedges are ever struggling from like about 80 to 120 yards now, all right, why don't we just reconsider something off the tee instead of blasting it down there and then hitting something that you're not as comfortable with right now. So a lot of my shots yesterday were nine irons, eight irons, seven irons, and uh, not a lot of 54s, 50s, 58s. It's funny, you know, hitting it longer matters, but sometimes it doesn't, you know. Um, I've been brainwashed by uh, by swing speed Hassey over here. Right. So like, I love people hitting it far, but, you know, it's even in my first book in the in the first chapters, like, the things that we say and the things that we do tell us everything we believe about the game, and we get into these little, like, especially when you're working on your driver and you've got a driver as a strength, right? It's your size and strength. You get the ball a long way. You can have shorter shots in, but that doesn't always mean that that's actually going to get you to score lower. Um, and so there's there's some dynamics there, like, and we talked about momentum earlier. Like, there's so many little tidbits we need to kind of revisit in this podcast, but, like, this idea of momentum, like, if you don't hit the driver as straight, even if it goes far and you're in not in a great spot and you got a wedge and you don't hit that as good, like that leads to negative momentum as you go into the next ones. And it's not that you shouldn't hit those, but like understanding your own game is really difficult. But it's a th- it's a thing. Like And it takes time too. Yeah. That's one thing that I've known as I've um uh, as I've gotten into real estate and I've had some early success, but um, and, and that's like, not again, I'm not trying to talk about real estate, but I am trying to talk about experience, right? It's like, absolutely. When I, when I dove in, I don't, I don't know what I know right now. Right. And because what I know right now, yep. it, it enables me to be a better professional, a better person. And same with golf too. But here's the thing. A lot of people will say, well, I've been playing golf for 15, 20 years, right? I'm sure you get some of those people who come in and see you for uh-huh. a lesson, right? <laughs> yeah. How many of those 15 to 20 years have you been intentional about you and your game and your tendencies right you can play golf for 20 years sure but is that is that just being a weekend warrior and and crushing beers out on the course and just slapping it around with your buddies it's like that's all fine and good yeah if you want to get better how many how how much you're not intentional with your time how much time how much intentional time are you putting in? i have been intentionally playing golf now for going on three years so it's like yeah that is a lot different than somebody who comes in and says oh well scott i've been playing for 15 years but i can't figure this out there there are people who are playing golf and then there are people who have i'm going to use a martial arts term they're practicers of golf like i'm in the practice of martial arts it's a practice right it's a like I'm giving myself over to being a student of the game. Like I'm practicing medicine, practicing right, yeah, 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 yeah. right. Like there's a study process that happens there. Like to me, that's like I know I keep pushing this notebook, but like the feedback from the notebook has been at least as good, if not better, than both of my first two books. Because guess what? Like if we think through our day, we run on autopilot like all day, most of the time. We're rarely intentional with our time, especially in our current culture, right? Of like, 
being intentional. So like when people listen to podcasts, I think this is one of the reasons why podcasting is so popular right now is it's a, you're actually taking more intentional time driving to work rather than listening to the radio or listening to music. Listening to music, you're not really being intentional. You're, yeah. you're, you're disengaging. It's not saying you should never listen to yeah. music, but you're, you're doing something more purposeful or with your time. You're learning something. And even if it's like a pleasure podcast, like it's still, you can still apply that. Like the, what I'm thinking of is I'm big into formula one racing. And so I listen to some formula one podcasts and it's like, well, that is entertainment for me when I'm in the car, but also when I'm watching the races now, it's like I understand more about what they're talking about and what they're doing and the, and like right. the reasons right. why people are doing what they're doing. So um, that's just a, a plug for, for that area of life. <coughs> but just being intentional, it doesn't even have to be intent to learn either. It can just be like intent for something that you enjoy or that you would like to know more about as well. So Yeah, no, that, that, in, that intentionality is that's what's the huge, ticket. Yeah. And... Like you can go play speed golf, and it's just funny that we bring these things up on the podcast. But like, you can go play fast golf and not learn anything at all. Like you just go and just like, okay, I'm gonna just even play and go home and move on with your day, and you never learn anything, right? But like, even as you came in and you were talking afterward, you're like, dude, I played well. Like, we need to talk about this, and so yeah. it's just kind of like, it's even the reflection of that is intentional. You know, if if we reflect on our marriages, if we reflect on our relationships, if we reflect on our job performance, like it's being intentional. And like I'm still super new in like how to run a massive operation where we're trying to get to. And it's like, you know what? I need people. I've got Elijah. I've got you. I've got uh, an administrative assistant running full time for me right now behind the scenes. I've got uh, a project management team now to help me take all these things in these places I want to go and streamline them, move them and move them in a direction. I'm realizing, okay, I have to learn how to let other people do things. I have to figure out who I got to put where, like that's a whole new skill. And the more I immerse myself in that and books like that, and the more I dialogue about it with people who do it, yeah, the better I get at it. Well, and to relate that back to the whole point of this podcast and to, and to book in this whole thing is, um, I think it's, it's really good as somebody who wants to get better at golf to be intentional um, about possibly playing the game a different way. And maybe that means that you play by yourself one day, or maybe that means that when you're playing with your buddies, you, you bet them that you can shoot lower than without a driver or something, something like that. But either way, I think that we all have a, a rut and a, a tendency for how we play the game. Right. And maybe sometimes that is not how we need to play it. Maybe it takes getting as many holes in before dark. Maybe it takes um, like playing a two ball by yourself where you do, you know, you hit a one club this way and another club that way with two balls. But I get, the point that I'm trying to make is that my round the other day was so helpful for me to understand, to break out of that cycle of how I always play the game. And maybe driver wedge is not a good combo for me at this point. but Or it, only in certain circumstances. Correct, correct. And it, it gives me more tools to put in my tool bag that then I can pull right. out later when I need them. And you've always talked about it with me. You're like, all right, maybe hitting a different shot off the tee here would be, be good or be beneficial. And I've always wondered why. And that's another plug for the experience piece is that you just yeah. don't know until you know. And yeah. you can come to Scott and he can give you all the advice in the world. But until you actually go out and do that by yourself... Right. You're never going to understand it for yourself. Well, and that's, I mean, I'm excited. I'm actually talking more about my books. Like I've struggled with like self-promotion. You've talked about this, like my project management teams, like you have a message, like go share it with people. Like 
if you believe in it, like add value. People want to know where to spend their money. They want to know where to spend their time. They want to know what they're going to do when they go practice. Like, like they're going to engage, engage. And so like the structure of my first book is in a, is basically in a class format. Like you read the first chapter and there's an exercise to do. You read the next chapter and there's an exercise to do. The content of the book's great. The power is actually in the uh, the power is actually in doing the exercises. I actually think you're going to learn more from doing the exercise than you learn from actually reading the book. And the exercises are incredibly intentional. So like that's the first book. That's the Champions Playbook. You know, do it that way. And then your notebook helps you reflect on that to learn faster like you can't get five years of experience in a day less than five years but you can drastically improve the quality of that experience mm. substantially so immersing yourself like who is it that you're spending time around if you want to be a competitive golfer and play in local amateur stuff in your 15 to 18 handicap find some 10 8 7 6 5 handicaps to play with that play in tournaments that practice in their time if you are working on your game, find other people that are working on your game with with teachers and instructors with a similar philosophy. Listen to podcasts that support that. Put yourself around people that like immerse yourself in the practice of improving in whatever it is. It doesn't have to be golf. Maybe it's fitness. Maybe it's being a better husband or a better wife. Like immerse yourself around that whole culture of like improving that. And so it becomes a practice of learning. And because you're in that, the speed golf thing was so big for you. Mm-hmm. It's such a simple, it was fun. Yeah. That was, that, oh, like, it was some, probably some more, some of the more fun holes that I've played in recent memory. Yeah. I, I think that's super cool. Like that whole immersion is where it's really at. Like immerse yourself in all three books, the notebook, the first book, the second book, find other people that are doing it. Um, so anywho, like, I think that immersion is what led to the speed golf kind of realizations of something to react to. How do we do that? And um, super cool. I kind of. Well, and to wrap up this whole thing, I just want to say this because for those of you who are thinking, oh, Jack just went out there and crushed it. He had every shot well and he just he just went out there and crushed it. I topped it off the first tee. And because of that, I had to hit like a five iron as far up the fairway as I could to set my <laughs> up for an approach shot. Like, it wasn't a perfect round, but because right. I was fighting everything, the, the decision-making was going off. And also, too, there's just nothing to lose. So go for it. It didn't matter. And it's not like I put – it's not like I hit a beautiful drive on the first hole and I was like, all right, this is going to be the round. It was like, no, I – I you play as fast as, as, I hit, as you can. I debatably hit my worst shot of that round on the very first shot, <laughs> on the very yeah, first shot. Yeah. So no, that's you, super cool. You can do it. You can go do it. And, uh, and you can get better. So we're going to wrap it up here from inside the studio at Franklin Bridge. Uh, remember that Scott's book and practice notebook are on Amazon. Uh, is Golf Decoded on Amazon too? Yeah, so it is. Golf Decoded got is, all three is, is on there. Amazon. All three on there. Um, stay tuned for the Instagram posts to not only vote on what you guys would like to be called, uh, but also to some upcoming things either on the podcast and in Scott's teaching here at the Franklin Bridge Performance Institute. Just stay tuned for all of it. So it's going to be awesome. Um, really cool podcast. That was fun. Super fun. So from Scott and Jack here inside the studio at Franklin Bridge, we'll see you on the next one. Peace.